Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. What if I told you that you can spark more joy in your life and that you can learn to cultivate self-compassion, calm your mind, increase your sense of well-being, and better savor life's small pleasures? Sounds amazing, right? Sign me up. My guest today is going to walk us through how we can spark more joy in our lives and find purpose and inner peace. Jennifer King Lindley is the author behind Find Your Joy, a powerful self-care journal to help you thrive, which offers easy exercises, tips, writing prompts, and empowering ideas from top psychologists and other experts to help you find your joy. An award-winning magazine writer for over 25 years, Jennifer covers wellness, health, psychology, and joy for magazines including Real Simple, Health, Good Housekeeping, Martha Stewart Living, and Oh! The Oprah Magazine. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited because you are kicking off our December shows. We are focusing all month long on celebrating and joy, but um, as we all know, this time of year can also be somewhat overwhelming and intense Mm -hmm. and frenetic, right? I mean, December is a metaphor for life, right? It's steroids, highs, lows, joys, stressors. How can we use your book to help find calm and joy in this season and all year long? Um, Well, I think the practices in this book that I come up with um, are meant to be useful both in times when things are going well and when times are really stressful, which, as you say, is this season. Um, I pulled these from a field called positive psychology, and I've done a lot of writing on that topic in the past decade. So when Hearst um, Magazine publishers approached me to write some kind of self-guided journal, I immediately thought a positive psychology slant would be very helpful because um, there's a lot of really interesting research going on in this field that helps um, give actionable, very practical steps that people can take to cultivate um, joy and improve their mood um, by themselves. Yeah, it's so amazing. I mean, we we think about joy as something that just kind of happens spontaneously, like, you know, you're having an incredible time or something that's just sort of has like arrived in your life, or maybe it's a season and you're experiencing joy. But this notion that you can actually sort of cultivate it and generate it for yourself is something that feels a little bit new to me, but obviously not mm-hmm. new to you because you've been writing about it for years. How, how t- Walk us through a little bit about your career, uh, the writing that you've done in the past, and, and why Hearst came to you and said, write this book, because it's kind of amazing to be asked to write a book. Well, um, the it was under the auspices of Prevention Magazine, which I've written for on health and wellness topics over the years. So um, they knew that I um, my niche is self-help, psychology, wellness, um, and that I would be a good translator of this information. Um, and so the um, idea was I went and I research, I, I talked to psychologists, researchers at universities um, about how they are using these practices and researching them to get the most out of them. Um, it's stuff like Gratitude, self-compassion, purpose, recognizing your strengths. These are all things I've been writing about for magazines over the years. And this book was sort of a chance to put them together into one sort of useful guide that readers could um, pick and choose through to find what might be most helpful to them. 
I, I love this book. First of all, the, uh, the the table of contents has chapters like befriend yourself, let it go, you know, bond with others, count your blessings. And even just simply reading the table of contents feels so soothing. I was really like, <laughs> just, like immediately pulled in. I thought this is going to make me feel better. So let's start with chapter one, which is befriend yourself. How do we learn to treat ourselves kindly? So... Um... That the idea behind this chapter came from some interviews I did with Kristen Neff at the University of Texas at Austin, and she's really the pioneer in self-compassion research. Um, and the idea behind self-compassion is we tend to treat ourselves much worse than we treat anybody else. Um, and what would happen if we treated ourselves instead as we do with a friend? who was going through something difficult or who had messed up and made a mistake. So she's actually studied this as a practice and found that people who are high in self-compassion sleep better, have better immunity, um, have less depression, anxiety. So she's made sort of a intuitive concept, a subject of study and found ways that we can all get better at. It's, it's a skill that we can get better at. And when you think about it, why should we be beating ourselves up? Why should we be so hard on ourselves when we know we're all trying our best? <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. that really resonated with me. Yeah, and her, me, and me uh, as research well. and her thinking there. So tell me, um, you know, it's funny. My favorite yoga teacher always ends class by saying, uh, please be kind to yourself and each other. And I think it's mm -hmm. such a beautiful way to end. And it always makes me think I'm much nicer to other people than I am to myself. <laughs> so mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it, it's a good reminder that we need to treat ourselves um, as we would the people mm -hmm. in our lives. So what would be... And I think the mm -hmm. idea behind it, the, um, the positive motivation for doing so is you think, if I'm not hard on myself, I won't be able to achieve everything I need to. Um, I will, I need to sort of be a... Um, nag to keep myself uh, being successful and continuing to grow. But um, Neff said to me, like, think about how a coach that if you were trying to do your best at your first 10K, if you had a coach that was yelling at you, this, this is terrible. Um, you're a loser. This, um, you're, you're never going to make it over the finish line. <laughs> yeah. How would you perform? Not very well. So why do we take that Tact with ourselves. Instead, you can, um, you know, still keep yourself to high standards by being a supportive coach to yourself. Um, this is, you know, you're doing fine. You've made a lot of progress. Let's look towards the next race. Um, speaking in those sort of compassionate but still constructive and caring ways is the essence of self-compassion. So interesting. I love that um, that we have this critical inner voice because it's we think we need it to be a taskmaster, but we can really, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can uh, turn that critical voice more into an inner coach. So what would mm -hmm. be one to two tactical ideas that you could share with our listeners so that they can befriend themselves and speak to themselves kindly? Yeah. So um what I've found useful is this idea of just thinking about um, what's one thing you're maybe beating yourself up for right now. And it could be not going to the gym all last week because you were too busy or you, uh, you know, forget blowing a deadline by a day. Um, in my case, <laughs> um, like you think about and you can even write down how you were describing this problem to yourself, this mistake. And if you 
write it down or think about it, you're probably um, being very hard on yourself, very self-critical and blaming yourself, um, maybe using words like, you know, you're lazy, everybody else is able to get to the gym. So really think about how you're talking to yourself about a specific thing you feel you've, um, you know, where you haven't measured up. And then take a deep breath, then write, think about the problem that you're beating yourself up for, not going to the gym last week. What if a friend said that? You wouldn't, um, you know, be excoriating them. You'd be saying, oh, well, if this is a crazy week with the holidays coming up and I know you've got 7 million things going on, you'll get back next week. And um, it was, you know, a chance for you to get some, some rest and consolidation in you would be talking in a much more warm and friendly way. Um, so that Neff says that's a skill we can get better at. And even if it doesn't, doesn't come naturally to us, looking at how we're talking to ourselves and then changing that narrative can over time become your default. I, I love that. I love that. Tell yourself a different story about um, what's mm-hmm. going on in your life and choose a more optimistic and, and kind perspective. We're mm-hmm. um, going to cover your uh, chapter that also caught my eye, C- Count Your Blessings, right after this commercial break, because this mm-hmm. is uh, a chapter about gratitude, and we're in a season of gratitude, and I want you to be able to share with our listeners all the science-backed benefits of expressing mm-hmm. thanks right after this mm-hmm. quick break. Hey, beauties, can you believe we're already heading into the holidays? This season brings me so much joy, but can also bring heightened amounts of stress. Keep your holiday season merry and bright by remaining invested in your self-care. And yes, that means our menopause rituals too. Now we can care for our skin, mind, and body with the help of our friends at Kindra. Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials can help us manage mood swings, hot flashes, and make sure we're getting the restful sleep we need to enjoy our holidays. I feel great about relying on Kindra since all of their products are backed with years of research. Their potent formulations include natural actives like ashwagandha, pycnogenol, and niacinamide to offer full-range symptom relief when used consistently. Kinder has a holiday offer for certain age listeners. Use code KD20 at checkout for 20% off your first order or subscription. Head to rkinder.com to gift yourself self-care this holiday season. Okay, Jennifer, we're back from our break. Uh, We just talked about how we can uh, treat ourselves kindly, but we want to talk now about uh, how we can treat others kindly, you know, how we can express gratitude and give thanks. We've just come out of Thanksgiving. We're now into our season of celebration. You have a wonderful chapter called Count Your Blessings. It talks about gratitude. And one of the things that jumped out at me in this chapter is when you quote a doctor who says that gratitude needs to be like taking a vitamin, right? It's something Mm -hmm. you do every day. So what are some specific tools or prompts for adding a daily gratitude vitamin to our routines? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a great question. And I'm I'm thinking maybe um, a number of your listeners already have a gratitude practice. And from the researchers I've talked to, you want to, um, when you're writing down, if, for instance, your gratitude practice is to write down a list of three things you're grateful every day, you want to make sure to keep it fresh um, because it loses its potency. If you wake up every day, I'm thankful for my family, my health, um, my dog. Right. The standard hits. <laughs> yeah, the u- usual hits. So um, y- you can 
sort of freshen up your gratitude practice by giving yourself different prompts like, what am I grateful for that's so small that it would fit in a teacup? Ooh, and I love that. Kind of think about it makes you sort of scan your world for the things you maybe aren't attending to. Another best practice is to get pretty specific in your um, reflection on gratitude. If you're grateful for uh, a, a walk you had with a friend, think in detail about what it felt like, um, how what you saw, what you shared. And if you're writing it down, write in three or four sentences these details, make it granular. That can have more potency than just um, doing the laundry list. But what um, what I found really interesting in in about gratitude, I just did a piece in the November Health Magazine, the print version, and it was all about expressing gratitude to other people. So we might feel grateful and that's a wonderful thing. And I certainly practice it. Um, But it's like the secret sauce. If you take the next step and actually share that with another person. Um, And And what would that look like by sharing it? Would you, would you say it to them? Would you write it to them in a letter an email? What do you recommend tactically? So, um, so I talked to um, Amit Kumar at the university of Texas at Austin, who studies pro-social acts, including gratitude. And he had um, a study several years ago where he had people write just short email thank yous to um, people in their lives. It could be their sixth grade teacher, their uh, a coach, a, a dear friend, a childhood friend, anybody that was important to them. And he had them write just three or four lines on email. And, and his study found that People, before they write it, think it's going to be awkward, think they're not going to say the right thing, think the other person's going to be weirded out, (laughs) think they're going to seem like they're sucking up. These are all the fears we bring to it. That's so wild. When they test, when they asked the um, recipients how they felt, two of one, they were extremely happy. They were um, very grateful. Some were ecstatic. um, And it didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter if you had cross outs. It didn't matter if you weren't Shakespeare. It was the sentiment and the authenticity. And um, that can, that was an extremely, um, you know, powerful reminder that taking that step and expressing gratitude to people might feel weird, but it will be very um, great for both of you. Sure. There's been a huge benefits for both of you. So certainly writing a letter or an email, just getting in that habit. Um, one of the people I talked to said, just keep a stack of thank you notes that you think are beautiful on your desk. It's a reminder to just send a, a quick note at the end of, um, you know, something you've experienced, have stamps so it doesn't get put into the someday can't sure. Category. No barriers. Anything make, make it easy. It easier. Yeah. Make it easy. So I was, love that. And um, there's also good evidence that just expressing gratitude can help romantic partnerships. Um, You know, there's the Gottman uh, famous research that you want to have five positive interactions for every one negative one um, to, you know, keep your marriage or keep your partnership strong. And indeed, though, we tend to take those closest to us for granted. And it might feel weird to actually thank somebody for, you know, doing something you expect them to do. But articulating that and acknowledging that they've done something that is 
um, that shows care is a very potent way to build a connection um, and to, to bond. I love that. That's I, I think that, uh, first of all, that's a fascinating data point that five pieces of sort of positive affirmation are needed to offset that negative interaction. And you know, I, I, I'm going to remember that when I'm interacting with my husband, Mike, and he is going to be the happy <laughs> beneficiary of this, <laughs> of this, of this factoid, because it is, you, you are, you are true. Like he's like the most important person in my life. And I, I, I there, I'm sure there are times when I'm taking that for granted and, and we need <laughs> to be um, mindful about, about sharing that. I just, you, you jogged a memory for me, I recently had blood work done and got like super faint in the office. And the woman who was running the front desk and doing the blood work was so kind to me and gave me her own like unopened water out of her lunch bottle because they didn't have one in the, the, the thing. And she was so wonderful. And I, I, I went back and gave her water, but I literally thought to myself, like, I should have shown up with flowers. Like she was so kind to me and I felt like she deserved something extra special. But what I decided to do was write a letter to the uh, her boss. You know, mm-hmm. because that's probably going to make her happier at the end of the day than than flowers. So, you know, you can you can um, let a manager of a restaurant know your hostess was, you know, your 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 waitress was fantastic. You know, you can let uh, uh, somebody, in a, you know, a manager in a store know that you got great help from somebody. There's so many different ways to practice gratitude mm-hmm. in your and, life um, and pay it forward a little bit. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Those are that's wonderful. You did that. Um, also, the um, I think it was Kumar that told me. That if you um, you get in the habit once you start looking around for people to be grateful for, you begin to see people's efforts. And he said, maybe it's the barista that always that sees you, knows your drink, has it ready. You want to um, like best practices for thanking people in person is saying, "Wow, thank you." It really means a lot to me that you always are ready, and you know I like extra cinnamon. Um, like really articulating that you have seen the care and concern they're showing and being specific and granular is um, has a lot of impact in the kind of, you know, gratitude expression you give. And really um, every time somebody hears that, it's going to make their day. Yes. Sometimes extra effort looks like extra cinnamon. That's so special. So another <laughs> another thing that you said in, in this chapter that really stuck with me, which I want to share with our listeners. So on this chapter in building gratitude, um, one of the experts that you interviewed said sometimes people start to think, oh my gosh, expressing gratitude is like a new thing on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. But they were mm-hmm. saying that you could really build in a small trigger that allows you to um, reflect on gratitude. So one example was every time you open a door, say you're opening your front door to walk in or you're opening the door of your office. Every time you open a door, think of, you know, one to two things that you're grateful for. And this way you can build this uh, trigger in that allows the habit to take hold. I thought this was very smart. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I had... Um... Another researcher tell me that she has a wreath on her door as she enters um, and she changes it seasonally. But every time she sees the wreath, that's her reminder to feel gratitude. Yep. So I I so love that. I you know, to look around and and use something in your daily life as a prompt to to help Mm -hmm. you build this wonderful and healthy habit. Uh, Let's talk about the um, the connection. Yeah. The connection um, that gratitude like one of the things that was coming out in the new research is that gratitude is um, their thinking is it was an evol- evolutionary benefit. It b- binds us together. When we express gratitude, 
that the other person um, thinks higher of us and wants to do something for us. And so um, in evolutionary psychology, the idea is that our gratitude is really bonding us and connecting us. And in this epidemic of loneliness that we can experience, this is one more way to get some social glue. That's so, I love that, that social glue. I, I I think that's really, um, you you identified something. It's very easy to look at the world in the news and to feel negative thoughts and to have negative judgments about, you know, our fellow people, our fellow humans. And that if we look for those small reasons to be grateful, the barista, the, this very kindly, you know, blood draw clerk who helped me out, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you're just reminded that, uh, we have more in common that, that knits us together than divides us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. Absolutely. Let's talk about the chapter experience delight because this caught my eye. I was like, I want to be delighted. So I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I dove right in. And this chapter was really fun because it's about savoring life's pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the chapter, you say, you know, what we all you know, know, we are supposed to stop and smell the roses. We get this. But we're, we're busy racing through modern life. We're distracted by our phones. We're distracted by our to-dos. I alluded to this at the the top of the show. We're in a very joyful but very frenetic season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. How can we slow down? How can we savor big and small joys? How do we make this a practice? Yeah, no, and it's such a good point that this is such a great season to practice it Um, because we are so rushed, but we also have lots of sort of fresh delights to savor and, um, you know, humans like new things. Um, they like special things. So, um, the idea, idea behind savoring is, um, was sort of developed as a theory by Fred Bryant at Loyola university. And his, um, definition of it is to wring every morsel out of a good experience, small or large. So if something good happens to you, you don't just sort of look, you know, acknowledge it and move on, but you really want to be present and experience it with all your um, senses, maybe share it with somebody, uh, really be in that moment. Don't um, let it pass by. And the idea is, um, you know, we don't come by this naturally because the folks that, you know, our evolutionary ancestors who survived were the ones who were out looking for the wolf, not the butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to kind of retrain ourselves to put on these um, different glasses and look around for not the next disaster or the next problem or the next thing to fix, but the next thing we can really enjoy and appreciate that maybe we would have passed over. So and that is a wonderful um it's a tip to just really focus and on what's right in front of you that's bringing joy to your life and not look ahead because mm-hmm. we often worry about the future rather than focusing on the present and and, and being present truly is uh, a practice that can be difficult a- mm-hmm. and I say this for mm-hmm. myself I take yoga I adore it it's something that really adds a lot of richness to my life but I've not been able to meditate, even though I've wanted mm-hmm. to take that on, because my brain will not let me be present. It's just mm-hmm. racing right ahead. So, oh, I know. I've tried to meditate, and I get to like 
breath three and I'm like, let me do my supermarket list. Exactly. You're like, I'm doing this wrong. (laughs) Like I have other things to be doing. So for people, (laughs) you know, some people are great at meditating and uh, kudos to you. But for listeners who are thinking, I, I have trouble being present. I have trouble focusing. What could be some tactical ideas for allowing them to build the their muscle for savoring? Sure. So um, I think that a good example is to, you know, maybe even if it doesn't come naturally, say, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to find three things to savor, like sort of have that as a goal. That way you're on the hunt for things to savor. And it could be um, like I'm in Indiana, the the leaves are just falling. And I'm um, when I was walking my dog today, I was just appreciating this, the sort of bittersweet light out the window. And then um, your dog just barked, I think. I think your dog was like, I heard the word dog. Someone said D.O.G. It's time for me to bark. (laughs) Should I Pause. No, keep going. This is audio. Okay. We like dark barking, barking dogs. <laughs> All right. So um, the the idea, though, is to find things that you are that along that way, you pause and look at, a, you know, f- the last flowers of the season. My echinacea is still going. Um, uh, some other ways to get in the practice of savoring is um, take a moment that you're enjoying and pause and sort of take an inventory of all your senses. For instance, if you're out having a latte, catching up with a dear friend, like feel the warm cup in your hand, look at the cool heart the uh, you know on the top of the surface, um, feel your ch- the chair you're in, the comfortable chair, um, look at your friend's face, kind of feel in your body how it feels to be so present and connecting with somebody you really care about. You, you're sort of taking a, um, an inventory of all your senses to um, really feel in your body how great that moment is. Um, that, so using so, all your yes. senses is is super helpful for that. Um, and he also suggests, Brian also suggests snap a mental photograph. So if you're like at a holiday, uh, perhaps you have a relative coming to see you that hasn't seen you since COVID maybe once they come in the door, you're greeting them, but you're also sort of taking a mental photograph of this moment. You're capturing it in your brain. You're not taking out your phone, which is, you know, a a, a barrier or screen sometimes to the emotion, but you're sort of capturing it. You're um, composing it so you can remember it um, and have that full experience. It I did that at my of- wedding. Jen, I did that at my wedding. I remember... Uh, somebody in my life who'd gotten married a few weeks earlier told me it goes so quickly. It's such a blur. Like everyone that you love and care about is there and you're going to be overwhelmed. And she said, you know, take time to take a mental snapshot. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't even understand that. And I got there and I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was stirring in like, this is your life. And it was like (laughs) all of the people. And and it was just so overwhelming. And I remembered that I'd been told this and I literally put myself into a timeout like in the hallway for like 10 minutes just to remember what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And like, that's mm-hmm. pretty all that I remember of my wedding, you know, it was the fact mm-hmm. that, that this, this 10 minutes, because it was such a wonderful um, and joyful, almost like assault of the senses. So that, that mental snapshot actually does work. And I've been married for 27 years now. And like, that's the 10 minute slice 
that I that I remember from a very joyful, you know. Well, how wonderful that because it sounds like if you hadn't done that, it would have been in your memory basically a blur. Yes, and it was a blur, and it was it was yeah. it was a total blur, but it was uh, it was a joyful blur. But th- that idea, yeah. we can use that we can use that idea all sorts of ways. We can use it when we're you know celebrating this um, this season. You could use it when the ball drops at New Year. You can like, mm-hmm. take a minute to think what what was so wonderful about you know twenty twenty one. Like what's wonderful about what's right you know happening right now. What am I excited for? And, and to take those mm-hmm. mental snapshots. And and also like this, um, you know, of course you want to savor the big things like looking around your holiday table and seeing people and being reunited. Like that's fantastic. But you can also like if there's a special candy you only eat once a year um, because it's you know traditional, you can take your time unwrapping it. You can look at it. You can smell it. You can, you know, keep it, eat it very, very slowly. Um, just totally bring as much pleasure out of that small tradition as you can. Um, and, and the idea is when we have these positive boosts um, of emotion, it can help us counterbalance some of the stress, the negativity that the ho- holiday can bring as well. Yes. It's, um, it's like some pluses in the, in your balance Squeeze, squeeze the joy out of life. I remember when I was very stressed out at different points in my life when my uh, middle son Milo was young and I was nursing him and it felt so amazing to hold him in my arms and feel the weight of his body. And I would I would draw back on that memory during stressful times to just remind mm-hmm. myself of what it felt like to be completely at peace with a beautiful baby in my arms. And I tapped mm-hmm. back into that at different times. And it, it, it like it was like a self soothing mechanism. So I believe in the power of, um, you know, those, those, those small moments that you can use to fuel you during the challenging that's, ones. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And, um, you know, Bryant is, uh, has made the point that you can savor in the future and past. As you're doing, you're savoring moments from your past. And that's potent, too. And you can savor the future, which is another word of anticipation. But you get extra joy out of anticipating a classic example is going on vacation. If you spend a month, you know, looking at brochures and thinking about what you're going to do, and you're just getting those, that big additional chunk of pleasure out of that experience. Fantastic. So good. Jen, your book says that the power of being happier lies in you. So I'm wondering, which I I loved and adored because it it gives us agency, but I'm curious, (laughs) how has writing this book impacted your own sense of happiness? Um, that is a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I Um, asked it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I have realized that I have a lot more um, power over my emotions than I thought. Um, I, I think historically, I tended to think, well, I'll be happy when fill in the idealized life goal. Um, as soon as X happens, I'll be happy. Um, and I think that it was, you know, a fallacy. You to wait around till life is perfect for happiness and is stress-free for happiness doesn't really work. Um, so I think it's given me sort of permission to not wait till all systems are go, but to realize that um, you know, every day we have a chance to lift our mood, um, find some joy 
and not wait around for all our ducks to be in a row because our ducks are never going to be in a row. Never. Life is never perfect. And and you, you just raised the point, like, we, we shouldn't wait around for our ducks to be in a row in order to, to, to choose to be happy. But I you know, would also say you have, you have to choose to be happy. You know, you mm-hmm. really need to claim your joy, as uh, an early guest on my show, Zibby Owen, said. And that uh, phrase really stuck with me. You know, claim your joy. You're, mm-hmm. You are in charge of your own joy. You are in charge of your own happiness. And you need to Practice it. And this book has so many wonderful prompts along so many different types of um, of different chapters for incorporating, you know, a calmer mind or gratitude or, or, or being a good uh, friend to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, has your idea of, of joy changed over time as you've aged? You know, it sounds like the process of writing this book has taught you many things, but has has aging yourself taught you something new about joy or how to find um, it and claim it? So I think one learns to um, not take those moments of joy for granted um, and to like, I've learned to get better at sorting out what the good things even during a bad time are. Um, and that being able to do that has given me more resilience in the face of difficult things. For instance, um, last, you know, during the pandemic, I had my daughter who's, um, 24 is in New York, lives in New York City. But during the beginning of the pandemic, she flew home because I'm in Indiana. We still had toilet paper, you know, um, <laughs> and she worked from my dining room table. We worked together. Um, from my dining room table for three or four weeks. And that was a wonderful positive from a dark time. So I was, I, even at the time I realized, you know, it's scary what's going on, but this, this thing is good. And, um, like this summer I had, um, uh, a tree, uh, it was, we, we had a big storm. I had a huge tree go through my roof, um, slate roof, 1929. And, I was, you know, horrified. Within a few hours, my neighbors, my kitchen was full of neighbors who were like getting me a tree person, bringing food, bringing tea, bringing a big bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, you know, Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. Um, And for me, that that ability to see like the helpers see the good in um, the negative is something I've got better at as I age. I love that. That is such a beautiful story. We are going to wrap on that note and move into our speed round because our time is coming to an end. But I I loved um, hearing that story of all the people in your life who rallied around you. Um, so are you up for a, a quick speed round? The way this sure. works is there's just maybe a one word, maybe a two word answer to um, complete these sentences or finish these thoughts. Okay, so one word answer. Writing Find Your Joy was? Stressful. <laughs> it's an honest answer. This holiday ritual sparks joy for me. Uh, making um, New York Times brickle. Ooh, yum. All right. It's that four ingredient brickle. Okay, I'm going to find, I'm it looking that up. It makes it look and, like you're a gourmet cook. Nice. I'm looking it up and putting it into the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Top self-care practice. Um, my animals. Most underrated. I won't say DOG. Oh, um, DOG. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get yeah, more barking. But, <laughs> um, I always know if I'm fraying that I need to 
put, you know, step away from my computer and go for a W-A-L-K with my D-O-G. <laughs> I can't say the word O-U-T-S-I-D-E without my D-O-G barking. So I, I, I get that. All right. Most underrated self-care practice. Most underrated self-care practice. And it doesn't have to be one that you practice, but it could be one that, you know, you've, you've covered in your writing that people mm-hmm. should know about and, and get on their screen. Um, I think sleep. Yes. Getting a good night's sleep, prioritizing sleep is um, somebody told me that is the foundation of all self-care. I I agree. Okay. Love that one. All right. Woo-woo, but I love it. Woo-woo, but I love it. Um, My aromatherapy diffuser. Nice. And I have a lavender for relaxation and a eucalyptus when I need my brain to be sparking. Nice. Um, I love it. Okay, unsavoring. What was the last thing to delight you? What was the last thing to delight me? Um, I bought a anxiety blanket, which is like one of those weighted blankets that is it's very comforting in the winter, and I love being under it. I feel like I'm in a safe little cave. We've heard uh, we've heard good things about those blankets on the show. One of our doctors recommended <laughs> those for sleep. Seriously, so that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Okay, finally, the Booker podcast that I rely on to help me find joy. Um, so I'm big on rereading favorite books. Um, they're kind of like touchstones, and I like to. I, I don't have a specific book to give you, but when I'm feeling, um. Like I need comfort. I love to read memoirs. I love to read other people's lives and how they've worked them out. Um, that is that is a joy for me. Very nice. I love memoirs as well. There, it's, it's you, you get to live in somebody else's uh, shoes for a day. Jen, this yeah. is really fun. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you and more about your writing and your book? Um, so I have a web website, jenniferkinglinley.com. And um, that has links to some of my articles and a link to uh, my book, a description of my book. So that's probably the best, um, you know, the most immediate way to see my reporting on this subject. Thank you so much. This was Jennifer King Linlay and Find Your Joy, a powerful self-care journal to help you thrive. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when celebrity baker and cookbook author Rosie Dakin comes on to talk holiday celebrations and everyday comfort food. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.